Let the church say amen. Amen. The word of God that you just heard was from the book of Exodus chapter 18. It's when Moses has just come through the Red Sea with the children of Israel after being delivered from Egyptian bondage. And as they're making their way to the promised land, Moses stops in Midian to be reunited with his father-in-law, Jethro, as well as his wife, Zipporah, and their two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And so there are four things about this text that we just heard today, four things we know of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, from this text. The first thing is that he was, in fact, Moses' father-in-law. And in case anyone missed it, Moses repeated this 13 times in Exodus chapter 18, that Jethro, also known as Ruel, was his father-in-law. Because again, he's writing the Pentateuch. He's writing this story as it is unfolding, and he wants the reader, the listener, to know that this man, Jethro, This black man is his father-in-law. Now, if you repeat something twice, usually you want people to get a hold of it because it's very important. But if you repeat it 13 times, (laughs) not only is it very important, but I see a man who's very, very proud of his father-in-law. I hope that's your testimony. If you're married, that you can thank God for your father-in-law. We'll talk about mother-in-laws another time. But number two, another thing about Jethro is that he was an African man, an African man. Once again, there are people who would say, Pastor, why do you have to bring those kinds of things up? Well, we bring those kinds of things up because the Bible brings those things up. And we bring those things up because although race is not technically a biblical concept, it is truly a sociological reality. And the people of God, we have not always um, lived well as it pertains to the matter of race and racism. In fact, we can be rightly blamed for instituting a kind of racism in this country that uh, denigrates one people and centers another. Um, And so the European presence in this country has been centered to the point where it's become normalized, where we just think and believe, like Michelangelo's painting of the Sistine Chapel, the fresco that Adam was white, that God is white, that the angels are white. And so when we read the Bible, we have these kinds of eyes. This, This film plays in our mind because of how we've been conditioned by the art, the media, and even biblical publications in our country. But no, Jethro was African, why? Because he was a Midianite. And Midian is an archaic term for Cush. Cush means Ethiopia in the Bible. And it's not so much just the country of Ethiopia, But the Bible has a way of calling 
uh, descendants of Ham, who is Noah's darkest son, the progenitor of all African and Mongoloid peoples. It has a, a way of calling all people of darker hue Cushites. So it's a general term to speak of these Hamitic people. And so this man, Jethro, was a Midianite. He lived in Midian. He was the priest of Midian. And he had a daughter by the name of Zipporah, whom he gave to Moses as bride. The book of Numbers says to us that Zipporah was a Cushite, an Ethiopian woman, Numbers chapter 12. And so this Cushite woman comes from a Cushite father. The Bible also says in Judges chapter 1, verse 16, that Jethro, once again, is labeled Moses' father-in-law, was a Kenite. A Kenite. Well, what in the world is a Kenite? According to Genesis chapter 15, verse 19, a Kenite was one of the tribes that was occupying the land of Canaan, making them Canaanites. The Canaanites are descendants from Ham as well, uh, his fourth child. And so therefore, Jethro is a Cushite, he is a Midianite, he is a Kenite, he is a Canaanite. He is a man of color, a man of African descent. Okay, the Bible seems to be clear on that. But when we watch Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, Moses tends to look like this. Y'all got me? Did it show over? Oh, there we go. So we have Charlton Heston, I mean Moses. On the left, and then we have Jethro on the right. And these kinds of things were not questioned. They were just accepted and received as so. That anything and everything good about the Bible involved white people. And anything bad about the Bible involved black people. Or even lies were told on black people to make them seem uh, as bad people, if you will. We, we talked about that with Nimrod a couple of weeks ago. Nowhere does the Bible say Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. But if you read any commentary today, or even listen to speakers, someone sent me a message saying, Pastor David Jeremiah, beloved Bible teacher, he just taught about Nimrod and how Nimrod was the world's first tyrant. It doesn't, he doesn't say, uh, Jeremiah didn't say that he was the world's first kingdom builder, multiple kingdom builder, a great man of God. But it says, he says that he was a tyrant when the Bible doesn't say that. So there are things uh, presumed on the text because of our culture. Now, we cover these things because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So if you don't know the truth, you know lies, and lies are things that keep us bound. So we're coming with truth. And so Jethro is normally depicted as a Caucasian man in Hollywood. But I just want to know, when will Hollywood and even Bible commentaries portray Jethro like this? Why can't he look like that? I'll get to that in a moment, because there are reasons why. People don't want Jethro to look Hamitic, to look African,
to look like an Ethiopian, like he is Zipporah's father. Because if we just go with, let's see, if Jethro looks like that, it contradicts the narrative that our Christian nation wants us to believe about Africans and African Americans. Don't change the channel. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't change the channel. Another thing about Jethro is that he was a man of God. He was not some pagan idol worshiper. He worshiped God, just like Nimrod was a worshiper of God. And so before the system of sacrifices was developed through the Hebraic uh, system of worship, there were people worshiping Yahweh before that. And one in the book of Genesis talks about Melchizedek, who the author of Hebrews says was like a type of Jesus Christ. He came to Abraham offering bread and wine. He was also the king of Salem or the prince of peace. Salam, shalom. So you see these pictures in the Bible of, of, of people who knew God. And Jethro was one who knew God as well. I'll just read to you verses 10 through 12 of chapter 18. It says, and Jethro said, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and who, was, and who has delivered the people from under the hand of Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods for in the very thing in which they behave proudly, he was above them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and other sacrifices to offer to God and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So he was a believer in Yahweh, the one true and living God. And so this man was a man of God, and that explains why he was the priest or the pastor, the bishop of Midian. He loved God, and he taught people about God. Not only was Jethro Moses' father-in-law, not only was he African, and not only was he a man of God, but fourthly, he was full of wisdom. He was full of wisdom. Pastor, why do you say that? Because he looked at his son-in-law one day when he went to work. His son-in-law went to work and he got up in the morning and started judging the people or counseling the people's situations. And Moses was judging the people from morning till nighttime. And Jethro, the father-in-law, looks at that and says, now, wait a minute now. This is wrong. Now, <laughs> Moses, I know that God talks to you. Moses, I know that, you know, he gave you that rod and the rod of God. I know you just came out of Egypt and you performed 10 plagues and, and you parted the Red Sea with the help of God. I, I know, you, you, you know, God used you to see manna come down from heaven to get water out of a rock. Moses, I know you walk with God, but boy, you need some wisdom right now. Can you imagine if Mr. and Mrs. John and Jane Doe were having marital problems and they were in line waiting to talk to Moses and there are, let's see here, at least two million people who've come out of Egypt and that's a long line. While you're waiting with your wife or your husband after y'all just had a fight last night and it's hot outside, somebody gonna get hurt in line before they even get to Moses. 
And Jethro's saying, what you're doing is not good. It's not good for the people. Why do you alone sit as judge? And it's not good for you. Why? Because you already sent your wife and children back to me before you went and did your thing in Egypt. I'm bringing them back to you now, bro. The babysitting is over right now. I love my grandkids. But you can't be there for your wife and your children if you're married to the ministry. Because no matter how awesome you are in doing ministry and, and being the shepherd who's going to lead the people out of Egypt, you are first and foremost a husband and a father. So here your kids are. Here's Gershom and Eliezer. Here's the poor. Take them. But you can't minister to them if you spend all of your time ministering to the people. So if you listen to me, I've got some advice for you. What you need to do is delegate. Give authority and responsibility away. Ministry is not meant to be a one-man show, no matter how awesome, gifted, and anointed you are. You can't do it all, and God never expected you to do it all. So delegate. And so when people say, Pastor, why do you make a big deal about people's ethnicity or nationality? Why do you make a big deal? I have to make a big deal because there are many people, and a whole lot of them Christians, who don't think that Africans or African Americans have enough wisdom or sense to do the right thing. There are people who think that we're ignorant, that we're not as smart as white people. So if Jethro is white, that continues to feed the narrative that white is better, white is smarter. But if Jethro is a man of, a black man, an African man, and he was, then that means you gotta check your narrative against the truth of scripture. So we do have to say, man, he was a man of wisdom and he was a black man, which means black people today, as we've said before, can own NFL franchises and more. We can do more than dribble a ball. We can own the team. And so we have to confront these things that have conditioned our minds, whether you're black or white, because it's conditioned many of us as black people to think that we are limited to a certain place of what we can do. But as I read scripture and I see great people that I descend from running things and advising Moses, a black man gives counsel to Moses, a Hebrew man. We're doing Bible study, right? This is a church. We do preach line upon line, precept upon precept. So we got to tell the truth. And not only that, not only did Moses' father-in-law have great wisdom, a wisdom that caused his son and the nation to flourish, it reminds us about the early church fathers. You see, after the apostolic period, we go into what is called the, the history of the church fathers. And many of them learned from the apostles before the apostles died. And if there were, let's say, 20 church fathers, at least nine of them were African. Again, this means Africans know theology. Africans can think well about the things of God. 
And so the early church, the early church fathers were men of African descent. People like Origen, Tertullian, Cyril, Cyprian, Clement, and of course, Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo, Augustine, the father of modern theology. But why is it when you hit Google with these various people, the images that will pop up will be European people with these African names and lives uh, plastered over the images. Somebody said, Pastor, that ain't new. Elvis didn't invent rock and roll. Little Richard did. Pastor, this ain't new. I'm not shaming. I'm just speaking the truth. And I refuse to live a lie in order to make somebody else feel comfortable while I feel denigrated. This is why this history is our history. We all have to teach this, but first we have to learn it too, right? And so Jethro, Jethro, he was Moses' father-in-law. He was African. He was a man of God, and he was full of wisdom, and these things contradict the narrative that anything black in the Bible, I mean, let me, let me say it this way. There are some who only see us in the Bible as it relates to a curse, and it wasn't even Ham that was cursed. It was Canaan that was cursed, the Canaanites, and they occupied the promised land that the children of Israel would occupy. But Put, who is Libya, Mizraim, who is Egypt, and Cush, who is Ethiopia, were not cursed. They're blessed. And Ham was not cursed by Noah because in Genesis 9, he was blessed by God. But it ruins the narrative where you want to say and teach and believe that black people were cursed by God to a lifestyle of slavery. That it was ordained by God to enslave. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It is what Paul calls a doctrine of demons. And so if you join us on Wednesday nights for Bible study, you, you'll hear Dorit and I. We break more of these things down uh, with more detail. But it ruins the narrative if Jethro looks Hamitic or looks African. It ruins the narrative. Well, there are three things Moses did in Exodus 18. Number one, he, he honored his father-in-law. Verses 1 through 12, he just honored his father-in-law. As soon, soon as he came out of Egypt, he had to go see his father-in-law. And he honored his father-in-law. And I think one of the reasons Moses was blessed is because in a minute he's about to get some commandments from God. And one of those commandments says, when you honor your father and mother, you'll live long, 120 years, and it'll go well with you. He honored his father. My, 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 my. Ah, another thing we see about Moses, what he did, he listened to his father-in-law. He, he, he listened. So even though he was very successful, and even though God spoke to him mouth to mouth, face to face, even though 
He could stick his hand in his coat and pull it out and it becomes leprous. He could throw his pole down and become a snake. Even though he could do, again, all of these plagues in Egypt and lift his hands and see the Red Sea part and they walk through on dry land, he still needed wisdom and he still had enough humility to apply what was being told to him. Do you have a Jethro in your life? Because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Do you have a, um, give me a feminine word for Jethro, uh, uh, Jethroette. Do, uh, <laughs> you need covering. You need encouragement. You need support. You need a pastor. Yeah, we all deconstruct, but don't you deconstruct yourself so much that you deconstruct out of church, out of community, and out of covering, and out of accountability. You need a pastor. And the pastor of this church has a pastor. I'll talk about him in a minute, but I got other men too because Moses would still need 70 elders with him because, the, again, the work is heavy. And so I've got elders and I also have a pastor. He also followed his father-in-law's instructions. It's one thing to listen. It's another thing to do. Because a lot of us give wisdom to folk. They listen, but they don't do. <laughs> it's almost a waste of our time. We're giving you this wisdom from God and from learned experience. But you still think you know more than the person with the gray hair, the gray beard, and the scars What did they say? Uh, a hard head make a soft behind. And some of us just got to learn the hard way, unfortunately. Why do teenagers think they know more than parents? As if parents were never teenagers. We were teenagers. We were slick. We were slicker than y'all. <laughs> and we still got caught. <laughs> Listen and then apply. It will go well with you. Moses was blessed. And I got to say, man, he, will, he is not the only brother, only dude with a wonderful father-in-law. Because like Moses had a gift, a black father-in-law who was a gift to him. I too can say I have a wonderful, blessed black father-in-law, Dr. Alan McFarland, who's not only my father-in-law, but who's my pastor. He ordained me into the gospel ministry back in 1992. Oh, man, I remember it was a three-hour examination. And he told me at the end, everybody's rejoicing. You know, man, you made it through all those questions. Wow. But, but, but my father-in-law, Baptist preacher, looked over the rim of his glasses at me and said, if you do anything unbecoming of the name of Jesus Christ, if anything happens to your doctrine whereby it is no longer orthodox, the institution that gave you this ordination will take and revoke this ordination from you. I was nervous. I was like, Dad, Pop, I mean, you, you had to come at me like that. Yeah, he did. That's my father-in-law. I'll do anything he asks me to do. I'll give anything he needs. I'm blessed. And, and, and like Moses got a preacher's 
daughter from uh, Jethro, I got me a preacher's daughter from Alan McFarland. When I married Darina, my, my Cushite, Ethiopian, African, Hamitic, beautiful woman of color, thank you, Je oh, so, oh, shut up, oh, oh, like Moses, I'm like, father-in-law, thank you, because you raised her up in a home where as a preacher's kid, she didn't grow up hating Jesus or the church. A lot of preacher's kids have that testimony. But he and Mrs. Mack kept it real before all of their children. Is Gary Bell here? Is Gary Bell here? Because he said that all of his daughters would marry preachers. So, so Reverend Bell, yeah, 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 he's a preacher. He just doesn't know. He just worked with a lot of money and stuff, but he's a preacher. And so uh, I'm thankful for my father-in-law, y'all. I'm blessed today. So the conclusion is that the gift of Moses' black father-in-law was instrumental to his flourishing and the flourishing of the nation of Israel. I shudder to think what would happen if Jethro did not impart wisdom to Moses at this key juncture in the journey of the children of Israel. Again, Moses would have worn out, the people would have worn out. Instead, Jethro was there and he spoke the truth in love to his son-in-law. And Moses followed. And I wonder if Jethro came to Strong Tower Bible Church and he just looked around, what would he say to us? What would he say to us since we are moving now from out of two years of being in COVID and we're making moves again towards assembling together. We thought we would be assembled together around January, but we weren't because of the Omarosa, I mean the Omicron that, that came. And so you know, we continue in this path that has not been easy for any of us, especially those of you with children. You know, it just hasn't been easy, but we've made it work. We're the kind of people, we can make bricks without straw. We're people with ingenuity and flexibility. But we believe this season is slowly coming to an end. So we're making plans to get back together in person on Sundays for classes, Wednesdays for classes, and not just Sunday morning. So we're making those plans because our students need community. Our students for two years have pretty much been subjected to what happens in school. Yeah, we've had online, but online, it, it, yeah, it, it, it beats a blank. But how many folk know you gotta look folk in the eyeballs when you're making disciples? You know, you, you, you gotta look at body language when you're making disciples. It's hard to do that online. But Isaiah, Felicia, they've been doing it. Jewel has been leading, you know. There's a song they're going to sing to close the service out today. One of my favorite songs from Reverend Milton Brunson. Lord, I'm available to you. Uh, use me, Lord, which is what my T-shirt and, and our T-shirts say. Use me, Lord. But there's a part that they can't sing today because of COVID. The stage is limited. 
The number of singers is limited. And so they can't sing that part where they go, ah, ah, ah. they can't do all that. Don't laugh at me. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Michael, I see that encouragement from you. But they can't do all of that part today. But as we start coming back, the singers come back. The musicians come back. So we're coming back. We're coming back. Because here are just a couple of things to wrap up. Ministry was never meant to be a one-person show. God didn't design it that way. People are gifted, but you can't do everything. Never meant to be that way. Everybody's got a gift. And so we go on. What else do we apply? Moses had to delegate or die. He had to let go of responsibility. Moses, you don't have to meet with everybody. And everybody don't have to meet with the pastor. Amen lights and amen walls. You may have come from the church, a church where you met with the pastor all the time. That's not this culture. Doesn't mean I don't like you. It's a matter of making sure I prioritize my time properly. Because if you spread the mayonnaise too thin, you can't taste it. Or or the barbecue sauce. (laughs) Even Jesus, when he was on the earth, chose to be in one place and at one time. Now, being omniscient, he knew what Philip and Nathaniel was doing underneath that sycamore tree over there. He knew that stuff, but he wasn't over there in the flesh. Can't be everywhere. Got to delegate or die. And that goes for our staff that I'm about to call up here. They got to delegate. Yeah, they're on staff, and some people say, well, I pay my tithes, so they're supposed to do all the work. Where's that at in the scripture? And then complain if the stuff's not right. It's about to get tight and right up in here. Because as pastor, I'm also father. I'm going to have to say some things to some people because some of y'all, because of COVID, You've gotten too comfortable sitting and watching, sitting and just listening. And this goes into the next point. If you don't serve, you will die. If you don't use what God gave you, you'll shrivel up. So I know during COVID, everyone's gift could not be really utilized the way we were doing it before. But God gave you a gift to edify the body. If you're not edifying the body, you're not growing spiritually. He didn't give you a gift just so you could, you know, edify yourself. He gave you a gift for somebody else. You need that gift. You need to give that gift and somebody needs to receive that gift and the person that's receiving it needs to give it and you need to receive it. That's how the body is supposed to work. 
But we've been blessed with many uh, gifted people who, with the help of God, have been able to hold it down for two years, if you will. But this ain't the way it's supposed to be. So when we come back, we want y'all to come back. Mm-hmm. Everybody got to come, man. Because everything and everyone we need to do God's work is in this church. Every spiritual gift that we need to, to do our part in building God's kingdom, he's deposited in this church. All the money we need to do God's work is in this church. And I give you all props. I, I thank God for you that through the two years, our giving has not only remained steady, but man, at times it has been exponential. So your heart is here. Your treasures are here as proof that your heart is here. Now it's time for your hands, your feet, your gifts, your talents. And like a good father, even a coach, I got to help get you in shape. Because like Moses, I got to speak and I'm going to do that. We're going to lose people, but man, we're going to gain people too. We've never been a church that's been cool with people just having behinds in seats. Never been a church like that, counting behinds. Hey, Doc, guess how many we got coming at our church? 500. How many of them serve? How many of them give? Well, uh, let's see here, Doc, about 50. Man, this ain't the circus. Circus got a lot of people coming, but they just watching. This is the body of Jesus connected to the head who's empowered us with gifts and abilities to first edify the body of Christ and then reach the world. We're going to teach it. And here's the good thing about God. He don't need a lot of people to be his body. Ask Gideon. He'll move with 300. Not 300, 300. Who sold out. Strong Tower. We got to get back in shape. Ah, I love it. And then finally, the best ability is still availability. Here I am, God, with all my brokenness. Here I am, God, with all my fears, with all my insecurities, with all my mistakes. Here I am, God. I start and I stop. I start and I, I sign up for stuff at church. Sometimes I show up, sometimes I don't. But mercies are new this morning with God, so they're new with the people at the church. Here I am, God. Use me. Because Jethro told Moses, get able men. What's able men? Men who realize the best ability is being available to God. And watch God. Because here's the thing. You won't grow if you don't serve. You won't grow if you don't get into community. And I don't know, we may lift masks coming up, make them, and, and they're not a mandatory now. They're, they're strongly encouraged. Because I heard what's being said in the streets. Strong talk, you don't wear no mask, they're going to kick you out. No, we strongly encourage it. Why? Because we've got some people here who are older. We've got some people here who have children at home. We've got some people here who have medically compromised folk in their family. So wearing a mask at Strong Tower, coming out of the book, is how you love your neighbor. As opposed to being selfish. Love your neighbor. Put a mask on for about an hour and a half. And if I saw you Friday night at the Bobby Brown New Edition concert, but you can't come to church. Because I was at the concert. I had a good time. I was proud of Bobby Brown. 
But if we can do all that stuff, we go into work again because work said, okay, it's time for y'all to come back now. You ain't saying to work, I ain't coming. School, it's time to come back now. You kicking your kids out the door. Yeah, get out of here. Well, church is saying it's time to come back now. I hope you come. I'm going to ask my staff, Pastor Jerry and I lead such a wonderful team. Uh, I'm going to ask Isaiah, Felicia, and Jewel to come up. I just want to ask them a couple of questions because I want you to hear their heart as we go. Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good, y'all. Can we give a round of applause for these three folks here? My God, my God. Oh, Lord Jesus. We are blessed with these folks here. We are so blessed. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. Well, I just want to ask them some questions in light of this passage we just looked at this morning. And those questions are, let's, let's see here. I, I will start with Jewel since she's on my left. Y'all got mics? Y'all got mics? You need a mic, Jewel? Use me, Lord, to show someone the way and enable me to say, oh, my storage is empty. And, uh, see, y'all encouraging me. All right, all right, all right. Woo! All right, Jewel. This is our worship director, everybody, Dr. Jewel Gibson. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, her partner in crime is Lasagna Thompson, who will begin coming back in March, recovering from COVID and a bad cough, uh, but she still works from home and sis Jewel and Jonathan Bolding and doing the administration. There's so much work that goes into what they do in the worship department. So my question to you, Jewel, is what are some of the challenges you've had in doing ministry the last two years of COVID? What are some of the challenges? Well, it was a lot of challenges and I just wanted to you know, let you all know, because sometimes you don't see the weightiness of, of ministry, but we, our hearts wanted to make sure that you um, still had music during a season that was unprecedented in our world. But yet, I want you all to know that even in that attempt to make sure that you had music, that we... It was so many unknowns. And we also realized, you know, I'm a healthcare provider that with singing, a lot of, you know, it's aerosol. So you're getting a lot coming forth. And it's hard to sing in a mask. So we had all of these misunderstandings. We didn't know we had a virus that we were clueless about, but yet our hearts were to make sure that you all have music, um, whatever way that we could. So. We had to take multiple COVID tests 
all of the time just to make sure that even when we had rehearsals that everybody was safe. So we had to get COVID tests when you couldn't even find out where they were. It was that new. Mm. But it was so important to me as a leader. First of all, I wanted to lead by example and I'm like, all of us had to get tested. So we, but I want you to know that by the grace of God that no one caught COVID. But, but on Sundays, after Pastor Chris would teach, we would have to come in here and we would stay for hours mm. at a time trying to get the music right because guess what? We weren't used to really, we were online, but we didn't really use that as a major platform. So there was so many things that we had to work out. So I want you to know that it was a very trying time for years and um, we became very weary mm. and exhausted in it. But we are prayerful that what we displayed as far as Christ in us and through us was not compromised on Sunday morning, you know. But we also would hear, you know, sometimes when you're watching ministry and you're hearing us online, sometimes even the saints can fall into a very critical spirit and, and think it's a show. It's not a show. It was not a show. It was our offering, and we love doing it. So we just want to let you know that it was hard. It was hard, but we kept everyone safe. God kept everybody safe, Amen. but we were tired. Amen. So just thank you for praying for us, and um, we pray that you will minister. And, and before I go to Isaiah, I want to say that um, our audio and technical and visual team, they have done amazing during this time. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. you know, God allowed us to reach more people during that season than we did here. Because people were tuning in to what the Spirit of God was doing. Now, there would be challenges. Pastor Jerry would be running around like a chicken with his head cut off to fix the various challenges that were going on with streaming and all this other stuff. Man, but, uh, but I'm proud of the team. And also a challenge that we're seeing that, that was going on for two years during COVID, but is also happening now because people are coming back out. Again, concerts are starting back up. And we are gifted with some of the best musicians, not only uh, in the city of Nashville, but really around the world. And many of these people, they have jobs and callings on themselves. And, and they love Jesus. They love their church. But they also have to go out and they play for Rascal Flats. They go out and they play for Mandisa. They go out and they play for whomever. And, uh, and as they pick up, we're going to need more musicians. But, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, Lord. Uh, Isaiah, homeboy. Last week, one of our little girls said, asked her daddy, she said, um, who is Pastor talking about when he says homeboy? Why, why does Pastor always say homeboy? Uh, uh, homeboy. What are some of the challenges you've had in doing ministry for our students? This is Isaiah, you guys. This is our student ministry director right here. My man. Got a little gray in his fro now. You know what I'm saying? Off to the side. How you doing, man? What were some of the challenges you've had? last two years. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I think one of, the, one of the greatest challenges was just figuring out how to do effective ministry virtually. 
And so at the core of, of our student ministry is making disciples. And as we know, making disciples mean being in relationship and nurturing relationships, doing life together, being present with one another. And so the virtual medium of Zoom was great in proclaiming the good news of the Lord and teaching, but it was very impersonal. And I think uh, as a result of that, a lot of the the relationships we nurtured and developed pre-COVID started to feel a little disconnected. Uh, Not only with those that we get the opportunity to serve, but also with the adult leaders who were serving as well. And so not having access as we did pre-COVID. And uh, and so just that relational pillar uh, within the ministry, I think, was was a big challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is Sister Felicia, our children's ministry director, y'all. Let's give it up. With her new progressive lenses on, let the church say amen. <laughs> Can you see? Can you see? You good? You straight? what happens when you ask your pastor to pray for you see your vision now he just you know no I'm just kidding right now I got the vision <laughs> well what have been some of your challenges over these past two years for children's ministry um let me just start by saying I miss my kids I know that sounds selfish but um the past two years you know in children's ministry we are pouring the foundation. We are laying that first foundation as a community to our children. We start at six weeks of age, and we go to fifth grade. Then we hand them over to Isaiah. But we are just pouring that foundation. This is what a Bible looks like. Pat the Bible, turn the pages, just as a child. And so those physical things obviously were very difficult um, during the first stages and the middle stages of covid But I miss my kids. I miss my helpers, the relationships that we had. I'm a relationship person. Relationships are so important to me. There are some children that I have met on Zoom weekly for two years that I haven't even hugged yet. Mm. That's hard for me because I love my kids. And so the past two years have just been, um, for me, a relational thing. Um, seeing my children online and just not being able, and they've been telling me, Miss Felicia, I love you. They've never even seen me in person. But I'm going to end this question with this. I was telling my husband John this last night, and I said, for two years, I'm talking about, I've got children, y'all, on Zoom. Brennan, raise your hand. I believe my baby's four. He came into children's ministry on Zoom. He is a prayer warrior. He has prayed for many of y'all in this body. You don't even know it. He's prayed for your health. He's prayed for your families. We open up class and we close class with prayer. And each, you know, a child will raise their hand to pray. For two years, friends, these children have prayed, Lord, heal COVID so we can come back to church. Mm. For two years, I told John last night, I said, these kids have prayed more and better than I ever have. So for two years, I've heard their heart. They've poured their heart out to God. Please take COVID away. Please heal COVID so we can come back to church. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, we're coming back, Lord willing. Yeah. Uh, March 2nd on a Sunday, is that right? 
and then Wednesday night, are we doing Wednesday first? March 2nd, Wednesday, March Okay, March 2nd, okay. So we're starting on Wednesday. What are your needs when we think of classes? How many, um, and I don't want to call our people volunteers. No. I want to call our people helpers, servants. How many helpers and leaders will you need to do ministry? To start ministry, and I've tried to condense some classes a little bit um, just to kind of help us get going, get jumping, because I'm so ready. But I need at least 22 leaders. And whenever I say leaders, you all, I promise, and if, if, you know, if this promise doesn't make good, you can come back and tell me it didn't, but I promise when you go in to lead a child, you will come out better than you went into that door. I know in theory, it seems like a lot in our head, like I'm going to be in a room with, you know, six or eight, you know, five-year-olds or whatever. You're going to be blessed. And so you are the leaders. Everything's provided for you, but you will lead that class and you will have more hugs in your life than you've ever had. So I need at least 22 leaders because you are leading some of the most important human beings in this room right now. 22 is where I want to start. I think we'll grow from that, but that's where I need you. If you're like, well, I can't do this or that, I promise you, you can do something for the children. Mm -hmm. Brother Isaiah, um, who and what do you need as we're getting back? So over the years, we have had some awesome adult leaders serve students. Uh, however, many have had to step down for various reasons. So currently we have about two adult leaders uh, that are you know, um, um, planning to serve on Wednesday nights. So we need about six or seven more because one of the things that we do in, in discipleship making is we have discipleship groups. And so on Wednesday nights, our adult leaders, they lead those discipleship groups. And as I think about leading those discipleship groups, I think about when, when the 70 was sent off in, in Luke chapter 1 and how it said that they were sent off two by two in pairs. And so one of the things and one of the visions that the Lord has given me is to have co-leaders for these groups because we recognize that, again, as was mentioned, is that ministry is not meant to be carried along. Yeah but it, it is meant for us to do together. And then we realize that things happen in our lives. And so having those co-leaders working together could help facilitate. Um, but at, at the end of the day, our hope is that we can get those leaders so that we can, we can be intentional about yeah. making disciples mm -hmm. of our students. Amen. And you have a retreat coming up, right? We do. Yes, yes. yes so. February 25th through the uh, 27th, we, we do have a retreat. It's going to look a little different. Nevertheless, it's, it's going to be fun, a fun time for us to get together, to fellowship, um, and get to know, you know many of our other peers at the other churches and just have some fun. Amen. And, uh, you know, good, get the word good. as well. So, amen. Looking forward to Well, Jewel, as we launch, um, what are your needs in the worship ministry? We need the Levites uh, to come forth. We need... Uh, musicians, singers, um, it, we need you. 
we, we've been doing a lot, and we know that many of you are out there. You can sing. You can play. You can do both, okay? I want you to know that uh, the ministry needs you, so I welcome you. There are things that we want to do, ways in which we want to grow, and um, it's not all about what's up on here on Sunday, even though we do need you um, here as well on Sunday. We absolutely need you here, but we want to grow. We don't know what Wednesdays are going to look like. We don't know if we need to have a youth, uh, you know, worship team. There are so many things to do. And so um, I have vision that I'd like to cast, but I need whoever you are out there to say yes to God first. And then, um, come on and be a part of the ministry. I've met, other, I've met musicians, but I want you to know this. If Strong Tower is not your home, but it may be, I am more interested in your heart and your love of God. Your service will come. So I don't ever want to go out and just because you play or because you sing or whatever you do, come on and be a part. I want your heart to be connected. I want you to know that God sent you here. But let me tell you something. If God sent you here, then it's my job as the leader to make sure that you serve and use your gifts and talents unto the Lord for the kingdom agenda. So that's my job to get you where you need to be because we're not going to be what we need to be without you, especially if God sent you here. Mm. Amen. Well, let's close with this question. People of faith who've encouraged me so often, what do you think God's going to do as we're moving back? I know some churches never shut down. That's their story, but our story, we did what we did. Felicia, what do you believe God is going to do for us come March and as we move? And by the way, uh, let me say this. We, we normally do a soul food luncheon in February. Black History Soul Food Luncheon. That's how we got some of y'all to come to this church because you heard about the food. But uh, we, we moved that uh, to June because Juneteenth, June 19th, falls on a Sunday. So Lasagna has planned that we'll do our soul food luncheon and we'll have you know outdoor games and it's going to be fun. We're going to invite the community here around. And so, so we've made adjustments. And so one thing we've seen, though, when we do stuff outside and got food, we see a lot of y'all, not, not y'all, because y'all always come, but the people that's watching, we see y'all show up. So, so Felicia, what do you see, my sister, in the future? Oh my goodness. Um, what I am seeing that I believe is going to continue is I see a lot of stretching and I'm talking about myself <laughs> and I'm talking about spiritual stretching. God is doing new things in all of our lives. We can say that about here at our church home, but he's also doing it in our home home too, our house. And so I believe, and from just the new faces that I see that God is going to stretch us spiritually, make us stronger, and he's going to grow us. I'm already seeing him grow the children here. I cannot wait to meet your families. I cannot wait Amen. to put Play-Doh in their hands and make crosses. Like, this is the stuff I love. I can't wait. So I believe, Pastor. Mm -hmm. I'm praying and believing. We are going to be stretched. We are going to grow. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be healthy. Amen. That's what I'm And favorite. we might even have um, the things in the room. Possibly because yeah. one of your new people that's been coming. Goodness, y'all, we have had a family, two families here that are new. Again, K-12, 
came in over COVID. And this is what God has taught me. He can do whatever he wants to. It don't matter if we got a pandemic or whatever. He's going to bring people, good people. And he's brought two families that said, sent me an email this week and said, Felicia, what are the, what's the square footage of the rooms? How many do you have? Because we want to make filtration systems for each of the rooms to keep your children safe. That's the stuff God is doing. And I believe he's just building that. I believe he's just building our hearts, building our minds. And my prayer is that he'll keep building and he'll let us put our hands out, y'all. And he'll say, how can I serve? About 12 years ago, John and I were leaving a service at Strong Tower. And I had sat with him and I'd sat quietly and I served here and there or whatever, you know. And I remember leaving the service, and I held out my hands physically. I did this, and I said, God, I, don't, I came from Church of Christ, okay? And I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying their women don't have roles. They just don't. So this was new for me. And John is sitting at the red light at my catcher. I'll never forget the day. And I said, Lord, here are my hands. Use me, God. Let me be the hands and feet. I don't know what that looks like, but use me. And I've often joked, but boy, he put me on a springboard that day and shot me off that thing because he showed me real quick. Mm -hmm. So my prayer is that we'll keep our hands open, that we won't just take, that we will grow and we will believe, pray and believe like we have for two years, friends. Amen. Bishop Marshall, what do you see, brother? Before, before I answer that question, uh, one of the other needs that we, that we have, I know Tamika Collier, along with like Danielle Hancock and many others, we have had a vision in renovating, decorating, and fixing up the White House, which we have started to do. But over the weeks, it's been, it's been a bit of a challenge to get volunteers. Now, this is something that we can, you know, potentially pay for out of pocket and get somebody to do it. But our hope is that we can utilize the gifts and the talents of the Strong, Strong Tower members who you know, will count the costs, who will come out, and who will help us renovate, paint, decorate, clean the White House so that once we do go back in person, um, the students will be blessed by their meeting space. And this is something that we've been trying to do for, for years to come going on five years now since I've been here. And, uh, but yeah, that's one of the other needs that we, that, that we have is that we need some co-laborers to come in and help us renovate the White House. So to answer that, the other question is, I'm an introvert and I did not realize how much I desire to be present with people yeah. as an introvert. And so one of the things that I see, and, and maybe you all are like me, introverted, but one of the things that, that, that I see is that once we do come back in person, because we've been um, you know, meeting virtually and everything has not been open for so long, I foresee uh, just the heart of God's people being intentional about being in community with one another. Because I think community is important. God has created us to be in Amen. community to be in relationships, building each other up. And that's one of the things that I foresee God doing in this new season is just moving in the hearts of his people and being intentional about being present with one another. Amen. 
What do you see, my sister? Yeah, what do you see? One, you know me, an insatiable uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness, and I'm praying for a revival, mm -hmm. a revival of, of God's people um, as they seek Him with their whole hearts, um, and um, I expect. Just, just great things um, as we allow God to move mm -hmm. in and through us. Yes, amen. Well, I'm going to ask the band and the singers to come back. Let's give the staff a round of applause. Amen. We're going to close with a song. But in your seat pockets, right in front of you, every other seat, there's this orange card and a pen. Uh, now, there are more ministries at the church, but right now we're focusing on ones that have to deal with Christian education and teaching and uh, our worship ministry. So, um, if the Holy Spirit moved on you, and I know he did, um, would you check this, fill this out for us, and as you leave, place it in the basket here at the altar. This, this, we call this the altar this morning, not, not, not the stage. Uh, place it in the basket at the altar. If you're online and you're watching, there's a code that you can click on that can take you to this card. Look for an email from me also this week repeating much of this information because we know we got to repeat some things in order to get people to participate. If you're not a member of the church, that doesn't stop you from serving because if you say, man, this is my church, but we haven't had the formal class in right-handed fellowship, that's okay. But if you feel like this is your community, come on, jump in, because again, you won't get to know people um, if you don't connect and, and try to use your gifts somewhere. All right. So we're going to sing this song. We are going to sing this song. Am I in your spot, brother? Come on up here. No, no, brother, come on and get your spot. We're about to you sing. You stand on your feet. All right. As we close out. Use me, Lord. <laughs> you can stay right here. Absolutely. And I just wanted to sing a little song. I pray that God will minister and speak to each of you individually, to the church collectively, as you think about and you meditate on how you will render unto God, okay, your service to him. 